0: Greetings, Timajilam, Karibuni, Sana, tena. Welcome to the 10th episode of the Acts series. To Nandelea, to to until the train stops, okay? But we are still on the Book of Acts, which is filled with so much goodness. And now we are on the 10th episode of the Acts series. Last week, we looked at Stephen the Martyr, the first Martyr. And today, we are going to look at Philip the Evangelist, right? I really like how, so far, we've covered so many different things in this book. And we've also looked at very some different characters. We've looked at Luke, the scribe. We've looked at um, uh, Peter, the apostle, the rock. Eh? Peter, the apostle, the rock. Eh? The rock says. Then we've also looked at uh, Stephen, the martyr. And today we're going to look at Philip, the evangelist. Amen? Yes, yes, yes. And so... Uh, one of the things that we're going to look at today is, is obviously when you look at um, how the church and everything that's unfolding up until this point is that we realize that like, and part of the reason why I named these guys is for you to also understand that, you know, there are different roles within the church and everyone was playing their part, right? talked about Luke the scribe, because if we didn't have a scribe, how would we have recorded what was happening, right? And how would we know what was happening? And so Luke played a very important part in the whole story and narrative of the early church. Then there's Peter who's the apostle, the rock, the guy, the founding member, the leader, the, 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 the one of the founding members of the church, right? So we have Peter, who is incredibly important, because he's the first one to deliver the message of the gospel, and was important because he was the foundation of the apostolic ministry that, um, that, that was established through Jesus Christ. And then we also have Stephen, the martyr, who, through his life, where the, in fact, the word martyr, which is the word, that comes from Matus, which actually means witness. He was the first person to die for the cause of the faith and to be able to demonstrate to us about persecution and why persecution is a core part of the message and the mission of the church, that even as we do God's work, that we will face opposition. And he was so important in us being able to understand and see that, and even important for the expansion of the church. And today we're looking at the Philip the Evangelist, right? And how evangelism is such a key aspect of the church. The key aspect of what it is that the church um, is mandated to 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 do, and so all these different people play different roles within the church and it's so beautiful for us to be able to see this that you know that every single one of us has a role to play in the body you know um, this ministry in itself is kind of like a representation of that yeah? if you think about it it's that you know we have yeah, uh, you know how you had uh Steven the matter, we have Wamai the videographer, <laughs> Wamai the videographer and the editor, eh? CK the producer, eh? we have all these uh, key aspects around what it is that, you know, so Wamai helps with shooting and editing, CK helps with, ask, literally in terms of the whole production and, and how we present ourselves, even me when I'm told, I'm even told what to wear. <laughs> Right and, and all the different... The way you guys look and you're like, wow, this shot looks so clear. That's because of uh, CK, the producer. <laughs> right? How we shoot the content. My job is to come and make... If I literally, I literally come here. These guys are so good at what they do. I literally come here and I sit down. And my job is to make sure that I come and teach the word. Right? And the thing is that this is a collective effort. Right? To come and deliver that. Then we have you know hopefully there are other aspects that 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 um and i'm so grateful for some people who've actually gotten in touch with us to be able to ask how they can help how they can help so we have someone who's you know helping us with uh, with legal there's someone who's helping us with um with design there's someone who's who's helping us with um uh, social media and so there's so many different things that uh you know not even just that oh my gosh how can i forget if you remember in the early church there was the people who 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 the, the the people who gave right they gave so that the church was able to continue to do its work and so even within Adulam we also have a people who give and there are people who literally you know I can point to who are consistent in this, in that they consistently support this ministry through their giving. I know people within this ministry who support us through prayer. That, the, in as much that, the, that, that is the contribution that they're able to give to the ministries, and they support us through prayer. My point is this, is that every single person, you know, you come and you sit here and you think, ah, this is the guy who's the most, no, the guy who's teaching is the guy who's most important. No, it is the collective, it is all of us who are able to make this ministry possible, right? My gift is just simply to come and teach. But there's so much else that's happening in the background, but it is all a collective effort. And every single person's role is important. And this is the thing that we're seeing from the early church, is that even as we see all these different characters unfolding, they all played an important role in the being able to accomplish Christ's mission, which is to for us to be His witness and to spread the message of His kingdom, this is all possible only through the collective, right? I really love how um, you know Paul brings this out. He brings this out in First Corinthians uh, twelve, where he talks about the he he, he he actually the analogy that he uses is the body, the literal physical body, where he says that the body is made up of different parts but the collective is the body, right? And so the hand cannot say that it has no part to play, right? right? Or it cannot say to the foot that uh, we don't need you. May I try and cut off, Even the, the how he even talks about the little finger. Try cutting off a little finger and see how it is that you, you feel as the body. That every single part of the body plays a part in being able to accomplish Christ's mission, which is for us to be able to be able to be his witness and to be able to be the witness of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and to spread the message of his kingdom. Amen? And so we all have a part to play in this. And this is what happens and this is what we see from the early church. And it's super exciting that we all have a part to play. So do not be... Listen, guys. So this is now... Even before I even got into Philip yet, right? Do not be... Like the appendix, I actually think this is where the appendix exists. <laughs> so a few a few we- months ago, I had my appendix taken out, and I remember doing research on this thing to find out like what is the use of the appendix. And the doctors say that <laughs> they that they haven't found any known use of the appendix. So meaning that oftentimes, usually when you take out the appendix, nothing really happens. <laughs> like the, there's no change in the body. However, the thing that the thing with the appendix is that. The only thing that it's known to do is cause pain and and and, and hardship, right? All it does is just it's just a it's just a parasite. It's like, and so you know, I kept thinking, I was like, Lord, why would you put something in the body that has no purpose, you know, like it doesn't do anything for the body other than just cause people pain? And maybe I, I feel like I have my my answer to that. Maybe this was God giving us an example of we know when he gives the analogy of the body of Christ and the physical body maybe he's basically showing us an analogy of there are some people who are like the appendix right all you do is cause pain to the church right all you're doing is this you come here oh, oh, oh it's G, all these things but you do nothing you do nothing you you're not involved in the mission of the church you're not involved in in the mission of the body of Christ which is about being able to extend the the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the message of his kingdom. And so do not be an appendix to the body of Christ. Get involved in one way or another, whether it's praying, whether it's giving, whether it's just offering your services, whatever it is, whether it's like you do something in social media, whatever it is, get involved, plug in, wherever it is that it is that you worship, do not be an appendix. Ah, man. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that wasn't even here, but <laughs> don't be an appendix, okay? Don't be that guy who just extracts, but does not offer themselves to be used by God for the purpose of the mission of the church, which is, again, like I said, to extend the name of Lord Jesus Christ and the message of his kingdom. Play some part in this whole thing. Even if it means praying. Pray for the administrations of, and leaders of, of the church. This thing is, is, is a, that's a valuable service. Even just your prayer and your committed prayer and being able to do that. To pray and fast for the church. To pray and fast for ministries. And to make sure that wherever it is that God has planted you, whatever church it is that God has planted you, plug in, do something in there. Plug in in some way, shape or form. Okay? Amen? Amen. Don't be an appendix. Anyway, (laughs) back to what it is that I came to talk about, (laughs) which is the case of Philip, right? Which is actually, Philip is such a great example because he was the guy, he literally began by... He's one of the guys, you remember last time when we talked about the seven that were selected, the seven people that were chosen to be able to help administer food, the people who were able to, to help administer the, 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 the food that was being given to the widows and, and the people who were in need. So out of the seven people, remember there was Stephen who was the martyr, Philip was one of these guys, right? And Philip was, you know, basically helping to administer the daily distribution of food, just like Stephen, right? Um, whom we learned about last week. And... Um, You know, after the persecution of Stephen in the Bible, in Acts 8, 4-8, it says that those who had been scattered, right, if you remember, there was that persecution that happened because of Stephen, right, that caused the the church to be scattered, and Philip was one of them, so uh, even as he was administering the food, he was scattered, right, he was one of the people that scattered, and he says, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there when the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was a great joy in that city. And so Philip, the guy who was the one of the deacons, the administrators, ends up exercising his evangelical gift, right, that he's been, that this, he goes literally to Samaria, just like all the other believers, and he begins to proclaim the Messiah there, right, just like all the other guys, that it says here that as they were scattered, they preached the word wherever they went, and Philip was one of these guys, so all the people who were within the church became evangelists, just like Philip, and Philip is a good example of this evangelism that he did, where he went out into this city in Samaria, and in this, in Samaria, do <laughs> oh, anyway, whatever, this guy just got that. Anyway, he went to Samaria <laughs> and proclaimed the Messiah there in Samaria. <laughs> Even as you we are being called into Samaria eh, to go and preach the gospel <laughs> in Judea and Samaria. <laughs> anyway, so, this food administrator, right, who was already plugged in, has now become an evangelist, just like all the other believers who are and, and very effective evangelists. And you see, through the, the, the story of, of Philip, you see that what God did is that he aided His message with signs and wonders. If you remember when we began to, when we were looking at Acts 4 and we see how the, no it was Acts 3, where we see how at the very end how the disciples begin to to ask that God would give them signs and wonders to be able to preach the gospel. That he would give them signs and wonders. And it is true for us as well that we can go to God and ask him to basically help us with signs and wonders, that when we are determined to therefore go and evangelize, that God doesn't just leave us by ourselves, that he then helps us with signs and wonders that allows us to be effective in the message that we're able to preach. And we're going to talk about this a bit more um, in this in this in this um, in this message. But the thing is that we see here that God aided Philip with signs and wonders so that when he was speaking, that the people paid close attention to what he said because of the signs and wonders that he performed. I mean, this guy, the signs and wonders was so incredible that it causes a career magician named Simon to be converted, a guy who was a sorcerer right? To be converted. Like, these signs and wonders were like, this This was legit. Yeah, This, this thing was, was legit power. In, in You know, in verse 9 onwards it says, Now for some time a man named Simon practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. <laughs> he boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is rightly called the great power of God. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. But when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles that he saw. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And so what we see here is that Philip goes and he does his his, his job really well. He goes and he spreads the gospel and he's spreading the message where it says, Here, that his model of evangelism was this: that this is how he evangelized, that this is the key, this is major keys, and this is the part that I want us to emphasize, right? That he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. This is the mission of the church: to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. This is this is this is a core part of the mission of the church. And to tack on to that, and that's part of the reason why you see the apostles then coming to join Philip, is that we also are mandated by Jesus Christ that as we do this, that we make disciples, teaching them, To obey everything that I have commanded you to do. This is the thing that Jesus told his disciples. That it's like we proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So these guys are baptized. And then the apostles come to be able to get these guys to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And also because they were the apostles, we know that they come with a teaching ministry that would allow the people of Samaria to be able to be deepened in their faith, that they would be made into disciples to make disciples. And so we see this collective effort of the church in being able to administer the mission of the church which is to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of god and the name of the lord jesus christ and father i want to add that it is also alongside of this is also as to, to to basically make disciples right that these people would not just be converts but they would be disciples meaning that they would be active followers of jesus christ and this comes through apostolic teaching and we see it in Acts 2.42 where it talks about that they devoted themselves, that the people who had now had become disciples, who had become converts, that they devoted themselves to the apostolic teaching, to the breaking of bread, to fellowship and to prayer, right? And so when you look at it holistically, you see that this is the mission of the church, right? But the evangelistic aspect, the the place of evangelism, the place of conversion is what we see here, that he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. Now, I want us to look more closely at that evangelical aspect of what it is that we are called to do as the church and I want to look at it through the lens of the greatest evangelist and the original evangelist which is Jesus Christ. The, the, The greatest evangelist that we have seen thus far. Right? And I think for a long time and part of the reason why I'm excited about being able to talk about this is because I truly believe that the model of evangelism has really been misunderstood and so for us, it's important for us to be able to look at this model of evangelism. For the longest time, what we have been looking at is Acts 2.42, which basically talks about the the, the the ways in which the disciples and the ways that which believers are able to grow in the faith. The way that believers are able to grow in the faith in Acts 2.42 is through the apostolic teaching, meaning that it's through teaching, it is through fellowship, it is through breaking of bread, and it is through prayer that the disciple is able to grow into maturity right this is what happens but however the evangelistic aspect which is about being able to draw in converts and drawing people into the kingdom this is what i'm referring to as the evangelistic aspect the proclaiming of the good news of the kingdom of god and the name of jesus christ and this is what jesus did consistently this is what he did. We recognize that he came to declare and proclaim the message of the kingdom. In fact, it even says in Acts 1 that he spent time speaking to his disciples about the kingdom. This was his message. This was his gospel. This was the thing that he proclaimed time and time again to those who are listening and to those who are there to listen to him. This was his message. His evangelism was around being able to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. And now, it's not only just that but we proclaim the good news of the kingdom of god in the name of the lord jesus christ so the evangelical aspect is what we are going to look at today and the model that i want us to look at of evangelism that jesus demonstrates to us is through his conversation with the samaritan woman in john chapter 4 i want us to be able to look at this because philip points out to it but i but the way that we are able to really break down the idea of evangelism is by looking at jesus christ and specifically his conversation with the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. All right? So here we see a very beautiful model for evangelism that I think is very important for us to discuss. So John 4, 1 to 26. Let me read. Now, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing, baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now, he had, he had to go through Samaria. Hey! You have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and has now come, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Now in this story we see such a beautiful model for evangelism right and the thing that we see in this in this in this in this model for evangelism you know the thing that's so cool first and foremost i love the whole kind of like relation between philip in samaria and jesus in samaria right i really love that samaria <laughs> anyway okay 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 so the the fact that they're both in samaria is super 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 dope and interesting and the thing is, is that what we recognize first and foremost about this model of evangelism that Jesus begins to bring out to us is that one of the things that we see first and foremost is that evangelism oftentimes requires for us to reach out to people that we normally wouldn't. If you look at Jesus in this story, he strikes up a conversation with a Samaritan woman which at that moment in time was incredibly scandalous. Number one, the Jews and Samaritans did not see eye to eye at all, and their beef went way, way back. I mean, both of them are from, uh, were both uh, from you know, Jacob, you know, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So they're all from the lineage of Jacob. In fact, the Samaritans were split from Joseph uh, in regards to the, 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 when, when Israel split from the northern kingdom. And Judah when this happened that this is the thing that began the the split between um, um, The Samaritans and the Jews right and so their beef goes way back where it's basically like we do not relate We do not relate. We do not get along. We don't talk to each other And so the thing is that Jesus comes up to speak to this woman and just by him He obviously knew who she that she was a Samaritan and before her looking at him. She's like Obviously, based on the way he was dressed, recognizes that he's a Jew. And he's just like, why are you talking to me? You know what I mean? Like, it's like, like already, this is already a very unconventional aspect. But Jesus strikes up a conversation with someone that typically he should not have been talking to, at least culturally. And so the thing that we see here is such a beautiful model for evangelism is that even with Philip going to Samaria to go and speak to and preach the gospel was a big deal. This was a big deal after the persecution that happens that he goes to speak to the Samaritans. is a big deal because Jews and Samaritans didn't get along. And so Jesus off the bat begins to show us the way in which we, when we think of evangelism, need to think about evangelism. That we need to be willing to go and speak to people that we normally and culturally should not be speaking to. Do you get what I'm saying? And so the thing is, is that, you know, for me, when I, when I see this, the first question that I asked is that, you know, you have to be prepared to go out of the norm of, of what it is. And so I started wondering and thinking to myself, like, as a, you know, I, for you, and really this is a question I'd pose to you, for you, like, when you hear this, when you think about this, like, as a believer in Jesus, who, do you, who comes to mind when you consider that, 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 that you would consider to be taboo or weird to relate with? or weird to speak with. You know, is it a Muslim? Is it a homosexual? Is it someone from another ethnic tribe? Is it maybe someone of another skin color? Or is it maybe someone of a different social status? You know how you see, even especially, I remember, you know, growing up where, you, when we when we were churched, we were churched within certain social, you know, settings. Right? So the church that you go to has certain people that come from a certain area. Right? And so we begin to, think of ourselves as being in a certain, these are the people that we generally relate with and we don't necessarily relate with those people, right? And so the thing is, is that when we think of this model of evangelism, what Jesus begins to show us is that you have to be prepared to go outside of the norm, that the body of Christ has to be prepared to go outside of the norm. Of the people that we typically relate with. And Jesus demonstrates this through this evangelism with this woman, that he's speaking to a Samaritan woman whom he should culturally shouldn't be speaking to. It's weird. It's taboo. It's outside of the norm, right? And so I wonder for you, who comes to mind when you think of someone that, would, that you would deem, you know, someone that you, sh- you, you cannot relate with as a believer? You cannot... And Jesus begins to break that norm and says, nah, man, you have to be able to go and allow yourself to be able to to, to evangelize, to be able to go and spread this message of my kingdom, you have to be willing to go and speak to people who are outside of the norm. Hallelujah. And so Jesus initiates a conversation with someone through whom culturally he should not be engaging with, right? But here is the thing, and he does this by asking her for a drink, right? So first she's a woman, she's a Samaritan, should not be talking to her. Because the disciples come now later and they're like, Why is this guy talking to a babe? <laughs> they're so surprised that Jesus is talking to a babe, let alone a Samaritan woman, right? And now here's the second thing that happens, right? This is the second thing that we can take out from this. So one is that we have to be willing to go out of, out of, out of, we have to be, we have to be willing to go outside of the norm. And we have to be willing to do that, just like our the, our chief evangelist, which, who is Jesus Christ. But the second thing is this. What we see is that Jesus begins to speak to her of the kingdom. The message of the kingdom. And if you watch the kingdom series you would have learned that, especially from the first episode, right, that the promise of the kingdom, the promise, and Jesus speaks about this all the time. This was one of the things that we recognize from that first episode of the kingdom series is that this was the thing that Jesus talked about all the time and how he... And, and the thing about the kingdom is that the promise of the kingdom, the thing that he presents from the very beginning is that the promise of the kingdom is eternal life. And what we did in that first series, in, in that first episode, is that we began to talk about what this eternal life really is about. And remember, we came up with this word, which is now my favorite word of all time, right? I might call my child Zoe, right? It's probably probably what's going to happen, to be honest, right? That the, this, this word life, in the original Greek word, is the word Zoe. We've talked about this so many different times, but I I'll always talk about it. Bear with me, okay? If you've had this before, we're gonna talk about it all the time. So please get comfortable. The life that the, the promise that we are given is the promise of Zoe. Now, the thing about Zoe is that it's a word that speaks in the original Greek word. It's not just about life breathing. It's about vitality. It's about progress. It's about fruitfulness. It's a word that speaks of just vi- you know, like just like that guy's, when you so, say that word, that guy is so full of life. That's what Zoe is all about, and this is the promise that Jesus gives of His kingdom that when you do things in my way, that when we do things God's way, that the promise of doing things God's way is eternal life. And God's way for us is for us to believe in Jesus Christ. And so when we believe in him, it says that we receive eternal life, that we receive eternal zoe, that we receive vitality, we receive fruitfulness, that what, we, what happens is that when we are outside of Christ, that we exist in an existential state of death. But through him, we experience life, eternal life, abundant life, right? And so here's the thing. The reality is this, and what I realize right now and why I think this is so important is because what Jesus is pointing us out and what he's showing us here is something that I'm fully convinced of, that the reality is this. It does not matter what a person looks like how they look like on the outside what's what you believe about them whether you had that they're a billionaire millionaire zillionaire whatever it is whatever it is that you think is happening if they do not have jesus christ they do not have zoe they do not have life the promise of jesus christ is zoe vitality progress fruitfulness i have a friend who um was telling me how, you know, he's thriving in life, you know, he's doing all these different things, all, the, all these different areas of his life are thriving. But then at the end of it all, he tells me, but like, even in spite, of, in spite of all these things happening, he doesn't feel happy. Like he has no happiness inside, like he doesn't feel any happiness or contentment inside for anything. This is what Zoe is, right? This is what Zoe is, that when we're alienated from Christ, that we are not able to experience zoe, life, vitality, fruitfulness, genuine fruitfulness, the thing that literally comes from above. And so the thing is this, is that we cannot truly experience peace or contentment or joy or fulfillment, like true joy, fulfillment, contentment, and peace without Christ. It is, this is the gift of Christ. This is the eternal life that he promises us. The abundant life that he promises us, zoe, this is what he gives to us. And so the thing is, is that without him, we have no life. It's the same thing that it says in Jeremiah 17, where he talks about, like, without the the trust in in, in God, it's like you're just like a bush in the wasteland, right? And that's the same thing that happens, is that for us, we don't recognize that. Without, the thing that we need to recognize that without Christ, without Christ, there is no way, And so this is the thing that he begins to talk to this woman about. That's the thing that's so beautiful is that what he begins to start to talk to this woman about is he starts to tell her about this water that he gives. Right? He starts to talk about the, the water that he gives that quenches her thirst. The, in, the inner thirst that she has. The thing that is the, the, the truth of the matter is this, is that it doesn't matter how someone looks like, every single person Every single person, knowingly or unknowingly, is yearning for Zoe, is yearning for life, is yearning for fruitfulness, for vitality. That even as I can show you about my friend who, as much as everything is going so well, but deep down inside he feels this emptiness. And this is the gift of Christ, this is the gift of Zoe, that we are all yearning for our lives to have vitality, purpose, progress, fruitfulness. And the only way to have this is through Christ. And so what he does is that he starts telling this woman about this water. This water that would spring up within her. Right? That that would literally quench her thirst for eternity. That he goes and he looks at this thing that, he's, that she's talking about, real water. And he starts to begin to talk to her about the kingdom, about Zoe. About this thing, this this thing that he can give her. And of course... Right? As this woman is hearing about this, she's like, I want that. Of course I want that. Of course I want that thing that you're telling me about. I don't want to thirst. I don't wanna have to come here and be toiling all through, which is the reality of the lack of Zoe, is the fact that we live in this 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 state of of of, of emptiness that that comes from being alienated from Christ. And the thing is, is that He begins to present to her this promise of the kingdom and to speak to her of the kingdom the promise of the kingdom that he can give her a water that will quench her thirst for eternity and of course she's like brah i want that man everyone wants zoe Everyone wants vitality. Everyone wants the, the ability to, to have that confidence that we are we live in, in the comfort of progress and fruitfulness because that is the promise of the vine, that the vine promises us. That as long as we are connected to the vine, that we will bear much fruit. This is the promise of the Father to all that have put their faith in Christ Jesus, that he promises us fruitfulness. He promises us vitality. He promises us progress. He promises us zoe, Right? And so he tells her this, and the woman is like, of course I want that, <laughs> right? But the third thing is this that happens, and it's twofold. That first, the first thing that happens is this, is that the next thing is that, do you remember the, 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 first, the first part was that, um, what was the first part? Just hit a blank. Uh, Jesus comes, and he introduces, yes, so the first part is where you have to be willing to go to speak to people that, you, that are outside of the norm, right? So that's what Jesus demonstrates at the first thing. The second thing is that he begins to speak to her about the kingdom. He begins to speak to her about like, this, I, this eternal life. And the fact that he can give her something that she truly, he knew that she lacked. And that he could give her, which is the thing that Jesus Christ gives us, which is eternal life. And he begins to speak to her about this. But the third thing that happens, is kind of twofold, is that Jesus points out, points out her sin. He points out her sin, but he does not dwell on it. And the thing that's so interesting is that this is why I think where most of us, when evangelizing, where we go wrong in this day and age, we spend more time dwelling <laughs> on the sin... Rather than showing them the kingdom. Rather than giving them the message of the kingdom. We literally spend more time pointing out and dwelling in there. Jesus, through a word of knowledge, is able to look into this woman's brokenness and point it out. But the bulk of his message to this woman is regarding the kingdom. And so, you know, we see this too, even in terms of like the conversion of Saul, which we'll look at next week. Is that you begin to see how... In as much as Jesus points out this man's sin, he doesn't dwell on it, but he points it out, but he doesn't dwell on it. But in this day and age, most times what we see the model of evangelism right now is where guys are holding up signs, it's just because they are condemnation, right? Come even even before you proclaim the good news of the kingdom, you're just here, just here, like beating people with the fact that you're such a sinner, you're such a this. Jesus points out her sin, but he doesn't dwell on it right? Which goes, you know, it's like, imagine if they, they, you know, like the whole time he comes and he just comes out over there at this place where he's just like, so, hey, why do you have this? Or oh, he started off this whole message as, of this woman just being like, oh, hey, woman, it's just like, I heard that you have five husbands. Eh? These five husbands and now you have a husband who is not even your husband. You think that's right? Eh? You think, I'm sure this woman would be like, bruh, first, who are you? <laughs> but that's how we do evangelism these days. It's like we're literally here, just here, pounding people, right? We're pounding people. Jesus literally identifies her sin, but he doesn't dwell on it. And the thing that he dwells on is the message of the kingdom, the message of Zoe. So what we find in this kind of warped approach of evangelism that we generally do right now, which is which is where we, we, we dwell on the sin rather than the message of the kingdom, is... What we find is that people then, you know, they come to God to escape death rather than to experience life. So you'll find that most people are, are converging to, to escape death, not to experience life. But yet when we see this model of evangelism that Jesus is, is, is putting out is where he begins to recognize and to speak to people that already you are experiencing death. But let me show you life. Let me speak to you about the life that you can experience through God right? And so Jesus first presented the gift of God before he highlighted her shortcomings, right? And so the thing is, I, I wonder sometimes, like, could the inversion of this approach be the reason why so many people are adverse to the gospel, of the message of the gospel? Could that be the reason, right? Because it's a case of literally the, approaching the woman at the well and just being like, well, you have five husbands, yeah? And you have, literally, that's the approach that most of us, and especially around the model of evangelism, now is more condemnation-driven than more about the kingdom, and about being able to, and to speak about the kingdom, and what the kingdom offers, and the life that God offers us through His Son, Jesus Christ. And through that, like it says, that He died for our sins, that we then we be able to experience eternal life, eternal Zoe, right? So he points out her sin, but he does not dwell on it, right? But here's the second part around that, is that one of the things that I find interesting about what Jesus does by, by, by doing this, by telling her about these five husbands and, and everything that he tells her, is that Jesus supernaturally points out something about her life that catches her attention, which provides legitimacy to what he's saying to her. So, basically, after that, you notice that she says to him, she's like, whoa. She's like, so you're a prophet, right? Because he says something that literally catches her attention. That was, that was something that was, in, in, in very, it was a supernatural revelation of her life, right? Which points me back to the, remember what with Philip, where the Bible says, when the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid, paid close attention to what he said. And for me, what that points out is that even in this ability to be able to evangelize the lost, that this is not outside of the power of God to be able to help us, be able to provide, to be able to give us resonance with this person that we're evangelizing. And this is what happens, is that when Jesus points out this aspect of her life, the sin in her life, he points it out, but even the thing that he's pointing out is something that literally gets her attention because she's like, how did you know that? So you must be a prophet. The same way for Philip. It's like because of the signs and wonders that he performed, they paid close attention to what he said. And I think the onus is upon us, just like the church, the early church, to really seek God and to ask him to help us, to be able to then have more resonance with the people that we speak with, there's a certain resonance that God is able to give us that goes deeper than just the conversation we're able to have with someone. Something that goes deep into the person's heart that allows us to be able to resonate with them. And this is the thing that is divine. This is the help that comes from the Holy Spirit to help us. That God is willing and able to help us to find resonance with those whom we are trying to evangelize to. right? And so in the case of the Samaritan woman, it was exactly this. That she recognized that he was a prophet and from that found resonance with what he said even more deeply. Are we together? Something that really connects with her even more deeply. So please, I think it's important for us to literally spend time also always praying that God would give us signs and wonders that will give us the ability to resonate with those whom he will send us to speak to, that he would give us resonance with them. Amen? Now, soon after Jesus points out her sin, he goes back. Now, this is the thing. We go in the model. I'll give you the breakdown. He Then the thing, the next thing that he does is that after he points out her sin, he then goes back to speaking to her about the kingdom. And, by sh- and he shows her, begins to talk about the will of God, which is the kingdom, right? Remember the kingdom is God's way of doing things, right? God's way of doing things is the kingdom. And he begins to show her that this is what God's plan is. This is what God's desire is. That God's desire is that people, all people, not just some people, that all people that will come and worship him in spirit and in truth, that he's, now that she's identified that he's a prophet, he's like, okay, let me tell you how God is wanting to be able to relate with us, that he wants all people to be able to come and worship him in spirit and in truth. So she, he begins to speak to her again about the kingdom and about the will of God, and he begins to reveal to her the will of God. And then as soon as that happens, then the, he, he lands the plane, right? Now this is where the the, 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 the most important part, the where the plane lands, right? That as soon as he does, does this, the final part occurs, he, he basically tells her, and he reveals to her, how she can experience everything that he has just told her. He reveals to her that he is the way in which all this can happen. The woman said, if you re, if you, let me read, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. This is where the plane is landed where in context of all these things and being able to speak of the kingdom, being able to point out her sin and not dwell on it, being able to um, utilize, um, to be able to resonate with her through divine assistance, be able to resonate with her, that he's able then from that to land the plane to let this person know how it is that they are able to experience all this. And it is through Jesus Christ. This is where the plane lands. This is as Kobe says, uh, when he when he talks about uh, whether the the job finished job finished this is where the job is finished okay this is how the job is finished that jesus reveals that he is the one who is, gives her the ability to do all this and the thing is is that i think this is such a beautiful model for evangelism that jesus points us out to right that number one reach out to someone that's outside of the norm right and the second thing is that speak to them regarding the kingdom and its benefit, a.k.a. eternal life, a.k.a. eternal zoe. And the thing is this, if you are a beneficiary of Zoe, if you are experiencing Zoe, this is the beautiful part where you're able to experience and talk about your experience of how God has brought you vitality, progress, fruitfulness. That this is the thing that it's like they overcame you by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. That your testimony is powerful in being able to demonstrate how God is able to take uh, uh, you from one situation to the next and what he's been able to do in your life that the kingdom is the thing we speak about, the promise of what it is that God gives to us. And so speak to them regarding the kingdom and its benefits, which is eternal zoe, which is the thing that every single person knowingly or unknowingly desires. The third thing is that even in as much as we are here called to be able to demonstrate that we all fall short, and this is the reason why Jesus has come, that he says, that he died for us so that, you know, he died for us as sinners so that we can be able to experience eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That the thing is this, is that he, Jesus, points out sin but does not dwell on it. And I truly believe that needs to be true for us as well. That we are able to then... Through this process of evangelism, to point out that we have all fallen, that we are all in need of a savior, that we are deeply sinful, that we are we are broken, and that we are in need of a savior. But the point is, this is not to be to to finger point and to dwell on these things and to point fingers at someone, and to say that this is the you as this person and you as this person, you're going to go to hell, you're going to whatever, you're going to experience. It's just like. The whole point is this, is that to look at the model of evangelism that Jesus pointed out, where he points out her sin, but does not dwell on it. And it's the same thing for us, that we're able to then point out that we indeed are sinful. But the point is not to stay and pack our, our, our message at that place. Right? But then also the other thing is this, is that through supernatural help, we're able to find resonance. We're able to find resonance. Through God's help, we're able to find resonance with those that we're evangelizing and speaking to. We're able to find that resonance with those people that we speak with. And then the thing that happens in the fourth part here that Jesus does is that he goes back talking about the kingdom, (laughs) right? He goes back and talks about the kingdom. It's almost very similar. It's like, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Right? That in the message, in between all this, that every single thing here is cased within the message of the kingdom. The blessing of life, the life that we have received through God in Jesus Christ. And at the very end, what Jesus does is that he reveals the way through which this woman is able to enter the kingdom, which is through him. That it is through Jesus Christ that all this is made possible. That it is through him that we are able to gain access to this beautiful experience of life that we receive through God. It is through Jesus Christ that we are able to experience this. And so in summary, this is exactly what Philip the Evangelist did. He proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. This is the reason why the kingdom was the thing that Jesus talked about more than anything. Is because it is a thing that all of us need. It is a thing that all of us knowingly or unknowingly desire. God's way brings life. And that life is the thing that all of us are craving and wanting and desiring. And so the whole thing for me is this. Is that when we look at this beautiful model of evangelism that Jesus shows to us that would we consider adopting a similar model for us as as we proclaim our witness and sometimes this is a this for Jesus this was one day sometimes it's a prolonged period where you will be engaging with someone who's outside of the norm for a period of time it's not just like one day bam 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 and you're done it's like literally you will be engaging with people and could be a process that you're engaging with through this person the key thing is to understand is this, is that the message of the kingdom and its benefit of eternal life is a thing that every single person wants and desires, knowingly or unknowingly, they want Zoe. Speak to them about Zoe. Do not be afraid to point out their, their shortcomings, but do not dwell on it. But don't be afraid to point it out because it's important that we all know that we don't achieve this because we are broken, because we have shortcomings. And that's the reason why literally God sent his son Jesus Christ to die for us and to give himself up so that we then would be able to experience the forgiveness of our sins and beyond that experience eternal life in Christ Jesus. Eternal Zoe, vitality, progress, fruitfulness is the thing that is the promise of faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. I pray that, uh, like Philip the Evangelist, that you would proclaim the good news of the kingdom in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray that you would be able to do the same, just like Philip and just like Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the one who hears us and uh, you are the one who helps us to be able to extend the message of your son, Jesus Christ, and his kingdom. We thank you that you are willing and able to give us signs and wonders that we can be able to resonate with those with whom we're able to share this message with. And so, Father, just like the early church, we come and we ask you that you would give us boldness to speak your word and to speak your message, to speak the message of the Lord Jesus Christ and his kingdom but secondly that you would give us signs and wonders that would allow us to resonate with those with whom we speak with. Would you embolden us and give us signs and wonders that we can be able to accomplish this great mission, to be able to evangelize this world with the message of your gospel in Christ Jesus. Give us boldness, give us signs and wonders to the glory and honor of your name and for the extension of your kingdom. We submit ourselves to your will May you guide and lead us. For it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Hey guys, thank you so much for watching. Listen, if this message blessed you, please be sure to share it with someone whom you love, share it with a friend, a colleague, anyone. And then also, listen, support us, support this ministry, so that we can be able to make more dope content and be able to spread this message of the kingdom to as many people as possible. And then. Make sure that you subscribe. Sawa, subscribe. Subscribe. Wherever the button... Subscribe. Subscribe. God bless you guys.